You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. It is the 8 o'clock hour of Miller and Moulton. Thanks so much for being with us. Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Final hour in Lake City and surrounding areas. Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte to Venice. The bonus hour in the 239 is coming up at the top of the hour. Jacksonville Jaguars, by the way, Mark, just made, uh, well, the owner went out and turned a lot of salaries into signing bonuses. Okay, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Brandon Scherf. He took thirty-two and a half million in salaries, and he just wrote twenty-six million dollars worth of checks to save that much room in cap space. So between this restructuring they did yesterday of two guys' contracts and this, Jacksonville figures now to be at the cap or maybe even have a little bit of room. Took the owner, turned in salaries into cash. That's how Kansas City is going to operate for the foreseeable future. With their big-name stars, they can do that every year with their contracts. So just paying attention, you know, what teams are doing to be at the cap. Jeff Cameron, kind enough to join us, host of, wait for it, the Jeff Cameron Show on Warchant.com and Real Talk 93.3 FM in Tallahassee. You can follow Jeff on Twitter, the letter J Cameron Show. Jay Cameron Show. Jeff, it's David and Mark once again. How the heck are you? Good morning, gentlemen. It is good to be with you. Doing well. All right, Jeff. We've been talking about this meeting that happened on Friday in Tallahassee and what it means for Florida State. You're on top of this as well as anybody. Is this a power play to get more money? Is this a power play to try to leave? Is this a power play to try to break this conference up? All of it. All of it. I I, I don't think... It was an accident. Uh, they knew they were obviously speaking um, it, very publicly. It was live streamed on YouTube. I don't think that uh, Michael Alford, the athletic director, chose to make the comments that he did. Um, you know, through happenstance. I think it was uh, out of frustration, but well thought out. This comes two weeks after the ACC's winter meetings, and. Uh, clearly Florida State uh, and the powers that be that attended those meetings did not get the kinds of answers they were looking for, satisfactory answers, in terms of how they were going to make up the revenue disparity between the Southeastern Conference and the Big Ten. Uh, It has been sort of uh, whispered for a long time now at uh, the ACC kickoff meetings that uh, happen every year amongst member institutions that this would be untenable, especially for those that seek to compete at the highest level, uh, namely Florida State, Clemson, perhaps Miami. Maybe you would throw North Carolina in there. <clears throat> These are programs that want to, uh, to, to have a seat at the big boy table and compete to uh, go to the college football playoff year in and year out. And they're not going to be able to do that if annually they're losing out in revenue to the tune of 30 40 and, and down the line $50, $60 million a year. Uh, you will not be able to compete. You will not be able to keep up in the arms race that is major college football, and they know that. And so I think they've repeatedly approached the ACC uh, about a different structure, and that's why Alfred laid out what Florida State was responsible for in terms of uh, the media, the viewership, uh, eyes on sets, if you will. Uh, he knows that Florida State drives this conference along with Clemson, and um, he also knows that the way that 
it's equitably split through all the teams that they will not be able to continue to compete at a high level. So uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt this, to me, was the beginning of the end. Florida State is going to position themselves uh, in a way to, to try to get out of the conference, and they want everybody to know they want out of the conference. Do you know of any other schools that are right now privately allies for Florida State? Like, do your sources tell you that Clemson's on board? Because we figure they have to be. You know, Miami. It just, how many allies do you think Florida State has? Because right now, publicly, they're a lone wolf. Yeah, I believe, David, that they have at least four. I, I, Clemson is the strongest partner for Florida State. They're like-minded. They both play big boy football. Their fan bases are very similar. Uh, they're football, not basketball schools. They care deeply uh, about the, the future of football. And so that is one. I, I think Miami is probably one as well. Uh, and then from there, uh, it'll be interesting because I think North Carolina, for example, would be primed to be picked off by the Big Ten uh, strong academic institution. Um, also, it, it just it, it would fit the model of what the Big Ten might try to do. I think for Florida State, they have to root for chaos. It's interesting because you can kind of connect the dots here in a weird way. They need the Pac-12's negotiations to go poorly and for those teams to be picked off by the Big Ten and the SEC then to respond to the Big Ten's continued expansion. I think, I think if you're Florida State, you want chaos. You want to watch this thing you know, blow up. Uh, because Florida State, when you look at the numbers, is one of uh, the most popular programs in all of college football, just from viewership standpoint. If you look at there are many other metrics, I'm sure you guys are aware of these, but Florida State is in the top ten in all of those. So they would be an asset if we're driving eyes to sets. What if the SEC doesn't want Florida State? If they pull off this power play and the SEC says we're staying at 16 because we're not going to get any more money, could the Big 12 be a viable partner for Florida State, Jeff? Well, uh, that would probably be less than ideal in the minds of Florida State's upper brass, uh, at least the people that I've talked to. I suppose uh, I say that only because the ACC situation is untenable. They're dead and they don't even know it. Uh, the, the, the ACC is not going to exist as currently constituted. And so uh, I know that they want out of this conference. Florida, State's, um, Florida State has long wanted out of this conference, I believe, but it's really been, uh, in the last two years, expedited. And, and I think, I mean, obviously, everybody can see where college football is going. And you look at that revenue disparity, you cannot stay in this conference if you'd like to compete and have the best of the best in terms of staff and facilities, you just, you're not going to be able to. So Florida State wants out. I suppose the Big 12 could be a landing spot if that contract uh, were, were better suited for Florida State financially than the one they're in. And right now it would seem almost any of them would be. Well, I believe right now the Big 12 schools get $14 million more per year from their national mm -hmm. TV deal with ESPN and Fox than right now the ACC schools are getting from ESPN. And Jeff, we've been on this for over a year. We just paid attention to the TV contracts and what have you and said, listen, if you're the ACC, okay, first off, you're locked in longest term for the least amount of money and where your game's going to air because ABC ESPN now is totally in bed with the SEC. I mean, you're going to be lucky to get your games 
shown on anything other than the ACC network. And Jeff, I believe, and this may sound crazy, if I'm the ACC, I have to sue ESPN to get out of my contract. The ACC is stuck for a lot of reasons. But David, you go back, they had to acquiesce to the deal because ESPN built the network, the television network, the ACC network. So at that time, that's why Granite Rights is through 2036. They had to show alliance. They had to show solidarity. ESPN was basically telling the ACC, why would we build this television station for you? Why would we build this network if we don't have guarantees that Florida State and Clemson and Miami and Virginia Tech, to a lesser extent, are going to be part of it? And so that's why those schools agreed to give up their grant of rights. I'm sure they regret it deeply. If they could have seen the tea leaves or read the tea leaves properly, they would not have done it. But here we sit. And you're right. They are not in a position to be able to compete long term. But I don't know, David, that ESPN is in a rush to renegotiate. They have, no. they have the ACC been over a barrel. Totally. Totally. But here's what I would sue. I would say you guys, through your dealings, have buried us as a conference, and you've done it intentionally, all right? And when we signed on, our games were getting this spot on these networks, and now you're going to bury us. You've buried us as a conference. You did it intentionally. You guys orchestrated Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, okay? We're suing you. You guys have systematically buried us as a conference. We just want out. You get to save $240 million a year. We want out. We want to be able to hawk our conference on the free market. That would be my lawsuit. It'd be an interesting one. I'm not so sure. You know, it's long been said, guys, that the ACC's deal with ESPN is a bad deal for only four teams in this conference. Like, if you're Wake Forest or Syracuse or Boston College or Duke or any of these other schools, you know, say small private schools, this is a great deal for you. You're not going to do any better because you don't play big boy sports. You don't play big boy football. But it's a terrible deal for those that do and want to continue. If you're Florida State and Clemson, this is an awful deal. For maybe two teams, it's an okay deal. Like NC State in Virginia, it's an okay deal. But everybody, anybody at the upper echelon of this conference that wants to win championships, this is a god-awful deal. I'm just curious how many of the teams in this league uh, are, are, you know, of like mind. I don't think they view this as a terrible deal. Those smaller schools probably feel very good about what they're receiving. I understand if you're a league, if you're Jim Phillips, and you want this league to survive, and you know football is the only way that any league survives these days, then you do. You're right, David. You do have to approach uh, the, the network and say, guys, we cannot compete moving forward with this deal. But I don't – I guess you could sue. I mean, what a mess. What a mess. Is there anybody out there that thinks that the grant of rights is BS, essentially, Jeff? I mean, if you pay your $120 million to get out of the conference, is there anybody out there that thinks that they can get away from the grant of rights, or is that, is that ironclad? It's a great unknown. I've talked to several attorneys because obviously this is this is out of my purview. I, and and some will tell you that it's ironclad. There's no way out, and there's no chance that uh, Florida State or Clemson or anybody else is going to challenge that. Others will say 
That's absolutely not true. It's the great unknown. We don't know. It just takes one team to decide to go after it. And, you know, Peter Collins, uh, the Florida State Board of Trustees uh, chair, uh, said yesterday, or over the weekend, I should say, uh, in an interview that he did with uh, War Chance Irish Chaffel, uh, quote, we have a very good handle on what the grant of rights is. Now, that is the first time somebody in the administration, somebody that would be considered in a position uh, of knowledge um, and, and high-profile strength, has said publicly that they have a handle on the grant of rights. And, and you know, to me, uh, that is in some ways a threat, right? That is them saying, no, no, we're, we're going, to, if nothing changes, we're going to challenge this. I don't know that to be true, but that's the first time somebody has said anything like that. Jeff Cameron, warchant.com, Real Talk 93.3 in Tallahassee. Follow him on Twitter, the letter J Cameron Show. J Cameron Show. He's Jeff Cameron. Jeff, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Be good, boys. Good times. <laughs> uh, the grant of rights, by the way, are held at the ACC office. You're not allowed to take them out of the office. It's like a book. You go into the office, they bring it to you. You're not allowed to leave the office. You're not allowed to make copies. Okay? You're not. It, it stays in the office. And that's why when the Florida State guy, Mark, says we have a, a good reading on it, there are schools in this conference that are like, yeah, we don't understand it. We've barely seen it. Is this like the cone of silence from Get Smart? I've got to go into a certain room, they lower it underneath my head, and then I can actually read it, but I've got to have a certain light or certain glasses? I don't know. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening. Florida Sports Network. You're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. If you miss any part of the show, floridasportsnetwork.com is where you go. Download what you miss. David Sampson at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. Just got done talking to Jeff Cameron about the Florida State situation. At the top of the 8 o'clock hour, he was very matter-of-fact, Mark, that he believes Florida State has begun the process of leaving the ACC somehow, some way. Whether it's blowing up the conference, whether it's the ACC gets blown up because of chaos elsewhere, that this is the beginning of the end. What was his line? Okay, the ACC is dead. They just don't know it yet. I still have this thing in my head, even though, you know, Florida State and Clemson, I get it. I don't know why the SEC wants to expand anymore. I don't know if there's $200 million more a year to make them happy to add two teams. Well, what if the number's 20 or 18? Like, Greg Sankey calls up ESPN. And says, listen, we want to expand. And ESPN's like, yeah, how much more money can we give you? And he's like, well, what if the expansion's Florida State and Clemson? We go to 18, and that's it. So you got to find an extra 100-plus million a year. Florida State and Clemson worth it? The answer might be yes. 
I don't think there's anybody you can add to that where they're worth another $51 million a year, if you know what I mean. So now ESPN's like, well, hold on a second. Now we got to give you an extra $200 million a year because you want to go to twenty. See, I think ESPN could be talked into Florida State Clemson making this sucker 18 teams. I know if I was PS, ESPN, I have no interest in in going beyond 18. Not even Miami. Not even North Carolina. Close, but whew. Let me ask you, in all seriousness here, would you take Miami in Florida State or Clemson in Florida State? Clemson in Florida State. Is it not close? Oh, no, it's close. It's close, but, and Florida fan, you know, this is where you're probably going, I don't want Florida State in the conference. Yeah, here's the problem. You voted to allow Texas and Oklahoma to join. Texas A&M publicly said, hey, Florida, hey, South Carolina, hey, Georgia, you guys always had an alliance. You were never going to allow Florida State, Clemson, and Georgia Tech into this conference. But you three suckers, when it came time to vote on Texas and Oklahoma, you said, sorry, A&M, we're sticking it to you. And once you did that, you now can't raise your hand and veto anybody else. And Georgia's sitting there laughing because nobody wants Georgia Tech. Exactly. I mean, laughing. In fact, since they voted to allow Texas and Oklahoma in, they've won two national championships. So they're really laughing. Kirby's like, hell, I'm going to move the cocktail party to campus. That's our next move. Stick it to Florida again. So that's, I believe that that's the route Sankey would go. He would take Clemson and Florida State as opposed to Florida State and Miami. I think the Big Ten would gobble up Miami. In a heartbeat. I, With I North think Carolina, the, Duke, and Virginia, if they were to do well, four. It's either well, North Carolina and Miami, or it's all four of them. Here's where, if I'm the Big Ten, Mark, and we're playing this game, I'm taking Virginia, I'm taking North Carolina, and I'm taking Miami. And before I take Duke, I'm calling Notre Dame. And I'm saying, just so you know, this is the last time we call. Because we're adding the four Pac-12 schools to get to 20, and we're adding four teams from the ACC. Or we're adding three and you. It's your call. But write it down. This is the last time we call. Yes or no? I don't even factor in Notre Dame because I just think the answer has been no so long it stays no. And I, you're you're 100% right that you have to make the call. But that's – and you say, just so you know, if the answer's no, we're taking Duke and our borders are closed at 24 and that's it. Good luck. Good luck. Yep, you got the NBC money and what have you for as long as they're willing to do this. By the way, just to make life difficult on you, we could pass a rule that we won't schedule you in anything. Okay. Just so you know, this is this is how angry at you we will be. This will be the third time we've called. The third time. 
third time. It's a pretty girl right there. Yeah, I to know. Be rejected why you keep the way, calling. By, to be rejected the way you've been rejected. You've been in the friend zone the whole time, and yep. you have no shot, and you keep calling. Yep. And you're in the friend zone, and yet you have you have fooled around with her many times. Many times. I mean, Michigan, Purdue. I, I mean, you know, you have had many a one-night stand, okay? But we want to make this a full-time relationship. Yes, I want to go public with this. I know what you want. I don't know what to tell you. The people at Good Morning America are just going to get ticked off. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Yes, you're going to have to walk the red carpet with me. I know. I know. I'm I'm not what you would prefer. But that's that's what I would do if I was the Big Ten. And if you're the Big Ten, Duke or Miami, let's be honest. Miami. Yeah, exactly. Miami. It's a football conference, after all. And it's Florida. I, I mean, so, yeah, absolutely. So, to me, it'd be real easy. Like, Jeff Cameron talked about the chaos. If the four Pac-12 schools leave and join the Big Ten and it goes to 20, well, if you're going 20, go 24. So, now you look at the ACC. You do Carolina, Virginia, Miami, you're at 23. And then you give Notre Dame an ultimatum. By the way, just as a Big Ten person and a Big Ten alum, I have no interest in Cal Stanford. If they wanted to go get Washington and Oregon, I get it. The Cal Stanford thing does nothing. I understand. I'm I know it's you. to get a West division. I, I understand what you're accomplishing with that. I wouldn't seemingly want to go that far. I'm with you completely. And believe me, I don't think Oregon and Washington want Cal and Stanford either. I do think the college presidents, though, like the idea of Stanford. And Stanford will drag Cal. So it's what I think is going to happen, by the way. I think the Pac-12 is getting blown up first. And I think then the Arizona schools in Colorado and Utah go to the Big 12, and that conference will now have 16. And then it'll be like, okay, the Pac-12 is going away. And then so the AC sitting there happens? until when? Until 2036? Exactly. Right. And then you'll have the, you know, the insurrection from within – in the ACC. I mean, for the record, $240 million divvied up amongst the 14 ACC schools. That's $17 million a year. The SEC is getting $51 million a year from ESPN alone. The Big Ten's getting $67 million a year from Fox, CBS, and NBC. Four times the television revenue in the Big Ten than the ACC annually. I mean, think of it. Illinois has that many more resources than Florida State. How long can the Seminoles just sit there and take it? That's why the process is starting. That's why, as Jeff Cameron said, that meeting last week was very public. The words that were chosen were public on purpose as they're attempting to get the ball rolling to what's next for Florida State in their future, whether it's in the ACC or somewhere else. It's why if I'm the ACC, I'm suing ESPN, or I'm saying, listen, will you allow us to bring in an Apple or somebody for more money? We need more money to survive. Miller & Moulton, Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, 
only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes until the top of the hour. Seventeen until we're out of here in Lake City, Tampa, St. Pete, Port Charlotte, and Venice. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Bonus hour begins at the top of the hour for those that listen in the 239. Did you see a couple of stories? I believe Peter King's Monday morning quarterback started it. And there have been a few others that have picked up on it. You know, all this talk in the draft, which is in a little less than two months, about quarterbacks, teams who need them, teams are going to trade up for them. Maybe even trade into the top five to get a quarterback. So Peter King and his staff said, can we just do a little recent history? Trading into the top five for a quarterback? It's happened six times since 2012. In 2012, Washington gave up three first-round picks. Now, one of them is a swap in that year's draft. You know, moving up to two and giving up, I think it was like 12. But technically, so two ones, a two, and a, and a pick swap, if you will, to the Rams to draft RG3. Same draft as Andrew Luck. He went one. Washington trades all the way up for RG3. People forget, Mark. You know who was rookie of the year in the NFL that year? RG3. Led him to the playoffs, right? Yeah. Won the division. Led him to the playoffs. Got hurt in the playoff game late. Blew out his knee. Mm-hmm. But he outplayed Andrew Luck his rookie year. He was rookie of the year in the league. But obviously, you look back, you know, would you do that deal again? Hell no. Okay. So four years later, I mean, hell, I think RG3 had already been released in Washington by the time not one but two teams, Mark, in 2016 said, we don't have a quarterback. We're going to get one. Rams gave up two ones, two twos, and two threes to move all the way up and get Jared Goff. The Eagles, because the Rams had to come from outside the top 10. I think they came from like 13 to move all the way up to one. So two ones, two twos, two threes to move up the number one pick, and they took Goff. The Eagles were sitting at eight. They said, well, damn, we need a quarterback. There's only two in this draft. We're going to get the other one. They moved up from eight to two. They gave up a first, a second, a third, and a fourth. Besides, obviously, the pick swap. A first, a second, a third, and a fourth for Carson Wentz. And this is interesting to say that, you know, you probably wouldn't do the deals again. Both of these guys helped lead their teams. You know, Carson Wentz was hurt by then, but Goff got to a Super Bowl. Wentz and the Eagles got to a Super Bowl. Yeah, Wentz gets hurt late in his second year. He's winning the MVP, by the way, the moment he gets hurt in December. He's the front runner for the MVP. They have the best record in the NFC. And because of that, Nick Foles was able to guide them into the Super Bowl. And you're right. The very next year, third-year quarterback Jared Goff 
outplays Drew Brees in the NFC Championship game in New Orleans, gets one of the worst officiating calls of all time to benefit his team, and beats him in overtime and goes to the Super Bowl. So three years into this deal, Wentz has taken to the Eagles twice to the playoffs. They've won a Super Bowl. Goff has taken the Rams twice to the playoffs. They've played in a Super Bowl. So I know you wouldn't do those deals again now based on what happened to the two quarterbacks. But if you'd have asked this question a couple of years after the draft, I think a lot of people, well, of course you'd do that deal. Yeah. Even after their fourth years in the league, even after 2019, if you had asked their fan bases, hey, would you do the deals for Goff and Wentz again? They'd say, well, yeah, absolutely. 2017. The Bears made a procedural move with the Niners. And this is noteworthy, Mark, because now what are we talking about? The possibility of the Bears moving down from one to two, then maybe even moving down from two to four. The or Bears six or a called, few other spots, but yes. The Bears called the Niners, who were sitting at two, and they were sitting at three, and they said, hey, can we jump up? And the Niners said, yeah, sure. We got Kaepernick. We're good. You take your quarterback. We'll take Solomon Thomas at three instead of two. We're fine. And the Bears gave up just two third-round picks and a fourth-round pick, and then the pick swap. So to move up from three to two costs two threes and a four. Remember, we were playing the role play yesterday, and I was the Bears, and you were the Texans. And I said to you, want to move up from two to one? Next year's first-round pick. Right. I'm trying to give you two twos. Right. Well, six years ago, the Bears gave up just two threes and a four. Now, granted, the quarterback they took was not Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. It was Trubisky. But you have to admit, for what they gave up to move up one spot, that wasn't outlandish. Two threes and a four. Okay. Five years ago, the Jets were at six. They wanted to get up to three. They gave up three second-round picks and a fifth just to move up three spots from six to three. They took Sam Darnold. Of course, the funny thing is the Bills were sitting at seven and took Josh Allen. Yep, mm-hmm. Jets go to hung tight, took Allen. Yep, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So, RG3, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky, Sam Darnold. Now, two years ago, the Niners made the big, bold move to go get Trey Lance. Gave up three ones, oh, by the way, three ones. And clearly, right now, that hasn't worked out for a variety of reasons, but it's early. It's early. I mean, you're leaning bad move, but it's too early to render a grade. It's still incomplete. If you have to render a grade, a D? If I can, I'll give you a D because I don't have enough information to fail you, but I would think about it. So... With that being said, for RG3, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky, Sam Darnold, and Trey Lance, 
Those have been the six quarterbacks in the last 11 drafts that teams have moved in the top five to take. Any of those trades get an A? Not one. Any of those trades get a B? Minus? B minus. I mean, Goff and Wentz did help lead their teams to Super Bowls. It. Now, basically, though, they only had each of them for four slash five, five years for golf, four for Wentz, I believe. Right. One helped you win a Super Bowl. Another one helped you get to one. I... Well, no, actually, they, they kept them both for five years. They unloaded both of them after 2020. So, I, yes, you're right. I've got to give that a B minus. I've got to. Okay. I might go. Might for... go C plus on the Wentz. Yeah, I might go CC plus because also then you had them just long enough where you had to give both of them contracts. Now, I might grade the golf one higher because I then used golf to get the quarterback that won me the Super Bowl. But then again, you could also grade the Philly one higher because Philly then turned Wentz into a couple of nice draft picks with Indianapolis. So I think B minus is fair. You want to go you a know, little bit lower? You've always been a tougher grader than me, David. The Jets, that's true. The Jets did turn Sam Darnold into some nice picks from Carolina. You know, that's part of the equation there. And they didn't sign him to a contract extension. But does that give you, if you're Vegas at 7, Carolina at 9, Tennessee at 11, Never mind if you're anybody else thinking about a big, bold move. I mean, you remember where the Chiefs were to move up from the mid-20s to 10 to take Mahomes. You know, I mean, if you're Baltimore, you thinking something crazy here? Thinking about moving on from Lamar, whether this year or next, and you got to make your big, bold move up from 22 this year? Huh? The Richardson part of this draft is fascinating, the way he's climbing, because I could see Baltimore staying there, Richardson plummeting and picking him at 22, because that would be very – what does Baltimore do? They sit where they always are and end up getting a great player. (laughs) Right. So, but I'm just wondering, does this give you pause? You know, we're in the – Mark, once again, we're in the back of the room. You know, GM and this close staff, they're they're talking and – we're, we're just trying – we're going to raise our hand and we're going to say, hey, just so you know, there have been six of these deals in the last 11 drafts. Not a single one of them gets an A or a B grade. Yes, but did my team make any of those moves? Well, see, we would do it right. I mean, that that's the part of this. If they've got their eye on one guy, they don't care. Okay. I mean, just so you know, the team's making the deals here. I mean, one of them was Washington. Insert joke here. But one of them was Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. One of them was the Rams. You know, one of them was the Jets. Insert joke here. One of them was the Bears. Insert insert joke here. Right. And the other one was the Niners. So, you know, we've got three insert jokes. And then we've got, you know, Rams, Eagles, Niners. (laughs) 
I mean, I believe they've represented the NFC in three of their last four Super Bowls. There is no doubt that if Miller and Moulton were running teams, I would be the Bengals never trading picks and Moulton would be <laughs> trading everything. Because despite all this evidence, David, despite all the evidence in front of you, if you had to go get a quarterback, even this year where you don't necessarily love any of them, you'd still go get a quarterback because it's your draft philosophy. Keep trying until you get one. And if that's your philosophy, then you can't sit and stand pat and hope that someone else makes a move in front of you. But I wanted to bring this recent history up for two reasons. First off, just to show, eh, hasn't really worked out. It kind of, sort of has worked out in which you've parlayed them and then you recovered, but but the other thing is how vastly different the compensation has been. Moving up. I mean, think about it. Indy is four. Let's just say they're only trying to get to two. Let's just, you know, the Bears do, they pull the molten. They move down to two with Houston. Then they say to Indianapolis, you want to move up to two? Somebody's calling Arizona to move up to three and take C.J. Stroud away from you, just so you know. What's he worth to you? I, by the way, my prediction, you're going to hear the Colts say that Anthony Richardson would be the second greatest quarterback in Colts history to only Peyton Manning. Even better than Unitas because they'll have more mobility. Honestly, the Colts are going to talk up how much they love Anthony Richardson to try to give the appearance that they don't have to trade up from four to get their quarterback. And the more nice things that they say about him, the more they're BSing is what you're trying to say? Totally, because they desperately want C.J. Stroud. Absolutely. They may not even talk to him. That's like when Jacksonville took, uh, was it Bortles? Bortles and, and never Bortles spoke to him. Bortles is like, I, who? I, I didn't even meet with him. So there you go. little recent history. Some of the price tags, eh, pretty big. And amazingly, what the Bears did to move up the one spot, they gave up nothing. Yeah, I mean, two threes and a four to move up from three to two. And that was the case of a team at two, San Francisco, that had Kaepernick. They were not taking a quarterback. And the Bears are like, listen, we just want to make sure you don't do a deal with anybody else. We'll move up to two. You can take the guy you want to take it to and take him at three, even save a few bucks. Niners went, yeah, okay, sure. How active will the Bears be and who will their partners be? Who wants those quarterbacks badly enough to make the move? As David just pointed out, the history does not bode well for the team that's going up to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Or Anthony Richardson. Ah, there we go. There we go. Tampa's, All of them at the Combine, by the way, and only Bryce Young is not throwing. But we're going to find out how tall he is. Miller and Moulton have a 5'11 over-under bet. David's going under. I'm going over. Thanks so much for listening. Back with a bonus hour on the other side of the 239 on the Florida Sports Network.